space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And we're here belatedly. Um, do apologise for the, the lateness of this broadcast slash podcast. We've had family this week. Ish. That'll yeah. that'll do. <laughs> so yeah, that's we've why. got families. Let's leave it at that. Yeah, that's <laughs> why we're late. Uh, but we are here to talk about the latest episode, the the mid-season premiere, I suppose, of um, Prodigy. I nearly Prodigy, said Lower Decks. Yeah. Nearly said Lower Decks. And it's called Kobayashi, which you can only imagine there must have been like a meeting in the writer's room. And for all... This is my, my fantasy version of how Star Trek is produced. So they have a massive big writer's room with all the all the different writers from each of the different shows, and they all have a big meeting. And somebody must have said, you know what, we're cool, the Kobayashi Maru, and then they've all just scuttled off to their own room trying to knock out an episode really quick to it, see... It who... actually happened differently to that. I've read, a, I read oh, an interview on. about it. and it, This episode has actually been in production since 2019. Really? Yeah. This is, It's like from like when they're... First starting to put together, and they decided they needed something with Dell's character arc. Mm. So they had a bit of a chat, and then someone said Kobayashi, one of the lead writers. Um, oh, Aiden, I can't remember his surname, begins with W. Right, anyway. And, and like the producers let him run with it. Oh, cool. <laughs> At one, and like he sort of put, to, and he realized, well, to do it, and like, he put forward, yeah, let's get um, legacy characters. At one time, it was nine legacy characters that we were off to bring in. Oh, gosh, right. But they couldn't make the script work around it. Yeah, that that's, the, that's the problem. So that but that answers one of my biggest questions then. Somebody has spent a hell of a lot of time pulling out yeah, all it, the correct um, quotes. It's taken from 40 episodes plus movies. Yeah, there's <laughs> um, if, you, if you Google it, Somebody's done the hard work, and there's a few videos already where it matches it up, and oh, yeah. it's just so clever. But we'll um... like the the only part that isn't um, sort of uh, previous audio, audio is they got um, Gates McFadden in to play herself, yeah, to play which... Beverly, because they decided that they needed at least one character. That they could interact properly with. Yeah, that you know could, what I mean? So you could do really good lines. Yeah, that they can actually script the dialogue for rather yeah. than having to uh, make it They're fit. working around it. Yeah, like he was saying, like, he started the task by, like, the, the wrote a script and then he'd go back through the old scripts and he'd see what had been said, especially with TOS. Mm. And there might be a great line that a hero had said, mm -hmm. but because of how it was shot, you can hardly hear what she says. Right. So they couldn't use it, so it's made oh. his job, like, double difficult, <laughs> looking, like, two or three times for the right line. Yeah, I'm just thinking, like, the logistics of it now. I bet you could, you because know, obviously, you know, they, they, I'm willing to bet 
that the people who make Star Trek get paid a little bit more for it than we do for doing this podcast. So... If they get paid anything, they're getting paid more yeah. than we get paid so, for this podcast, so, let's be honest. Yeah, so I think... Um, <laughs> don't give away the secrets behind the scenes. People think we're rolling in it. Um, so, yeah, they can probably get someone and go, right, I want you to digitise all the scripts for all the Star Trek series... When you've done that, bring it to me. And then you could just do a search for term, couldn't you? So you could do yeah. search for neutral zone and it'll tell you every time somebody said yeah. neutral zone. But they've, they've looked at picking actual lines out as opposed to yeah, word, yeah. then a word, then a word. Well, so that's it, but, lines you'd, out. but you'd look like neutral zone and then you go, Spock said this about neutral zone, we can use that. Or Yeah, but yeah, still, um, it's... Uh, do you ever think that... Um, you notice is that it sounds like it comes from the original series and the yeah. movies. And they were saying that's been a deliberate thing. All right. That they could have cleaned up the audio a lot more and mm. brought it sort of level with, like, Dal in the holodeck. But they decided, no, they wouldn't do that, that they wanted to leave it. Yeah, it's how we a... all How we all know it was. Well, that's it. Because there's no getting away. No getting around it. Three of these characters have passed away. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And, yeah, there's a charm to it, listening to it. And also, it's one of them things that they probably thought, oh, this is going to drive the fans crazy trying to work out which episodes it's from. And, <laughs> I mean, as it turns out, as I said, people have already done well, the YouTube videos. So yeah, I, I don't know it, how. I don't know how they've done it in that time frame. It's crazy. Like, um, I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> it's because it, it, it can't be that important. No, it's it's because you're so caught up in this episode. I am. But... It, like, one of the nice things, I, like, I learnt my lesson with Discovery in the first season. I watched the trailer for the following week. Yeah. And I'm watching all these and avoiding any spoilers until I've watched. Yeah. So this was a really nice surprise. Was it, it a really unexpected surprise? And to be fair, like I think that's been a lot easier with Prodigy as well because I, I don't feel like Prodigy has saturated social media as much as the other shows do. No, like, but I think it's I think after this episode this last week, there's a lot more talk of prodigy yeah, the, on social media. This is it really gained the show track. Yeah, this is definitely the exception and it, it has elevated its profile and rightly so everybody's talking about it. Yeah, like if you're gonna do <clears> something <throat> like this, it could have gone so badly wrong and they've got it just right. Yeah. They've I mean, done it really, really well. Yeah, it's it's just wonderful the whole sequence and everything, and we'll we'll dig into it a little bit. But it's one of them that you know we had to start the episode talking about that moment because yeah, it that, was either we started with that or we just went nailed it, double nailed it. Yeah, that's that's what this we, episode because we have got a, a nailed it and a double nailed oh, it this episode. There we go. Then we, we'll. Right, and this is jumping right to the end of the episode. Yeah, but we nailed it, 
that Jakota was to blame for losing the protostar. Yep. And we nailed it that even when he made captain, he'd still have Janeway looking over his back. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. <laughs> we did. Um, yeah, poor Chakotay. I mean, you know what? We might find out that it were really heroic and it wasn't his fault and he did everything he could. But but he was in charge of the Protoss star when he's gone missing. By yeah, the looks of I it. like the idea that the writers don't like Chakotay either <laughs> and they've just decided that Chakotay is going to be the one who gets a kick in and everything. Like, yeah, make... yeah, it's just the way that, like, we did say this early on, didn't we, that it'd just be ironic if you made captain of the Protoss star. And Janeway was there as his hologram advisor still. Yeah, and that appears <laughs> to be exactly the case. Uh, one last thing just on the title of the episode. So even though you've, you've peeled back the curtain and shown me that they don't have this big writer's room meeting now, if this has been in development since 2019, they should have, Prodigy should have been allowed to call this Kobayashi Maru then. And Discovery should have had to just call the episode Kobayashi. Kobayashi. But I think maybe because Discovery aired first, they're like, well, we're going I, first, so we're going to call it that. They've maybe pulled it because, like, the flagship show out yeah. of it at the moment. Maybe. But let's be honest, this is Kobayashi Maru more than the Prodigy was. Oh, the, yeah. Sorry, more than Discovery was. Definitely, yeah. That this, was... Is, this is actually the Kobayashi Maru Yeah, that's... <laughs> that was thematically Kobayashi and Maru. I mean, we talked about it at the time. Like, you don't realise till halfway through the episode why it's called what it's called. Yeah. And where well, is this, this is... one? Yeah, this like, is this, just This episode has a couple of other things going on. But it's it's the Kobayashi Maru that is the centre of yeah, the episode. very much and so. It's a great story what's done. And the story's overshadowed by how they did it. <laughs> yeah, I think you bang on there. It's, it's, yeah, what's got everyone talking is just these cameos that they've done, which yeah. are wonderful. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll cover what happens before and after it, just for the, the sake of completeness. Um, but that is the, the big part of the episode. So... We pick up bang on where we left off. The ship comes out of, I'm calling it proto-warp until we're given an official term for it. That, that works for me. So it's coming out of proto-warp and we get this thing, how fast were we going? We were going warp nine point something and Jankum... Well, it's got to be warp 9.9 .9 something, on it? Yeah, because Jankum's dialogue gets, I think, probably deliberately obscured because they don't want people, they don't want to give a number and then... Because, well, if they give a precise number, they are things that you can use to work out Exactly. If it's <laughs> and it, it's one of those, isn't it, where it's like, I would rather they don't give an exact number than give an exact number, and then within two minutes, people are all over social media going, well, actually, if you check the warp scale, that's not accurate, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Just... Well, we have, we've done that ourselves. We have, yeah. Exactly. We do, you don't want dickheads like us looking at stuff like that and slagging it off. So um, it's very clever doing it that way so that it doesn't have any problem. But now that it goes online, we do get this graphic and they've gone from the Delta Quadrant to the Gamma Quadrant, seemingly, which is pretty cool. It's, it's the first bit of Gamma Quadrant action we've had since Deep Space Nine. Yeah, and... Well, it's only the second series to ever go into the Gamma Quadrant. Yeah. In this case. 
So I'd be quite up for this if we, we can start exploring well, a bit of the Gamma Quadrant. I don't know if we will, but it, it's well, good to have I, that. I have seen the next episode already. Uh, I'm not going to say yeah. anything. But and this is, and it's not, it doesn't happen in this episode. So I'm going to, I'd be really happy if we see some more of the founders and the right. Gemma and, and see how they've taken to the loss with the Federation. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think if they come across them, are they going to be really aggressive or? Yeah, have they gone more isolationist again or yeah. have they started to maybe rethink the ways a little bit because. Well, they were never defeated in the Gamma Quadrant. They were just pushed back not to come back to the Alpha Quadrant. <coughs> well, that's it. But I think what they... I mean, obviously... Uh, sorry, that's a spoiler for our um, DS9 series. Dominion War, the, yeah. The Dominion War we're doing. But we the, can probably forget about that by the time we get to the end. Yeah, probably. With the <laughs> amount of new shows we've got, it's going to be a while. Though we do have one for you this week, so we're, we're slowly getting through the Dominion War. Um, but yeah, because the, the Dominion had an absolute stranglehold on the Gamma Quadrant, but as soon as they came up against another galactic power, they lost. So how does a species that's like that take that defeat, you know? It, yeah, that would yeah. be a really interesting thing to explore. Um, so once we've done that, we then get into... Just the first of many, many Easter eggs. So Dal's playing the game from the TNG episode, The Game, which this is a very kind of... You'd expect this kind of callback more in Lower Decks, really, because it's, you know, why is that there? That that doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense. The game, were, you know, it was a dodgy thing to corrupt people's minds or whatever it was doing. I can't remember entirely. It'd take people over, but... You know, it, it sort of brainwashed them, didn't it? Yeah, they so stop playing it. It don't make a lot of sense that this is here, but that's just a tiny, tiny little callback compared to what we're gonna get. And we're also doing this. The rest of the crew, everyone apart from Dal, basically thinks the Federation sounds great, and they want to go give that a bash. <coughs> but Dal's not so keen, and that that's carrying on where he was when we left it at the, the mid-season Yeah, he's break. sort of like, do we really want to go join them? We've just escaped someone. Yeah. You know, like, let's have a, enjoy our freedom for a bit. And so you can yeah. see his point in a way. You can. It, I wonder if there's an element of, oh, well, I've just got this new toy and I don't want to go give it back to the Federation just yet. Yeah, because the Federation will take it straight back off. You would think so, yeah. I mean, you, you don't want a bunch of kids joyriding in your <laughs> prototype spaceship. Though they might go, hey, you did a better job than Admiral Chicote or Captain Chicote. <laughs> yeah, he lost it. At least you got it back. <laughs> yeah, well done. You're promoted. <laughs> Chicote can be uh, your number one. Um. So, yeah. And... We get this a little thread in this episode. Is Gwyn's gonna thank Dal, but he says, "Oh, it was Janeway's idea that we went back for you." And it, you know, at that point you're thinking, "Oh, was it?" Because we didn't see that scene, and we commented on that at the time. And obviously, we get the payoff to that later in the episode that we find out no, it wasn't at all. Yeah. It was actually Dal's idea, which is what we expected. Yeah. 
And that shows a good side of him that he's not leaving someone behind. Yeah, maybe he will make a good captain one day. But yeah, it, it, it's like he sort of made himself captain because he sort of had the plan to escape, and it, he found the ship. But yeah, find his keepers. It, yeah, he got. It, that's basically what he's done in it. Yeah, he got shotgun. He saw the captain's chair first, yeah. so he got to call it. Which you know, I think that's how it works. <clears throat> um, so yeah then we first go on to the holodeck and yeah again any other episode these easter eggs that have made everybody happy so we're like let's go paragliding on SETI Alpha 5 which I'm not sure why you would want to do that so it's like okay we'll go paragliding no, and, oh look there's the, a... the thing is when Kirk left um can on SETI Alpha 5. It was a like a paradise world. Yeah, yeah, it was really nice. And it's and it's only after Wharf of Can that they found out it was this sort of uh, desert thing because the sun had exploded. Yeah, but the, had... but the holodeck has decided that's the version that we're going yeah. with is the <laughs> the knackered version. And I can only assume that if you manage to paraglide yourself down safely, you'll find Khan and his men there who'll yeah. then kidnap you but, and try and steal your ship. But when they landed, they were straight into the Vulcan's sort of gladiator arena. Yeah, which was cool. was it nice to play the music from a mock time? <laughs> yes. So, yeah, that was great. And then... It's like, it's like you say, these Easter eggs would have been going, that was brilliant normally. But the... There's nothing of these no, Easter eggs no, to what they do. Exactly. And then we also get a bit of Dracula and Janeway references her hollow novels that she loves. Yeah, which... personally, I like Jane Eyre and, like, thank God they went boring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No one else liked them, Janeway. So, um, <laughs> yeah. But then, yeah, we get to the Kobayashi Maru and it starts off with a really cool graphic, like, shows all the different com badges and everything. Yeah. Um, so again, we'd be like, that's an amazing um, Easter egg there. We're happy with that. But that's not what we get. That's not what the episode's about. So, first of all, the recording of the Kobayashi Maru is taken straight well, from Well, it looks Rafa like Khan. you're sat there now. Well, this is it. Yeah, <laughs> this is why I'm doing it. Um, so, yeah, the, the the actual sound's taken from Wrath of Khan, isn't it? The distress signal. Yeah. So we're going all out with that. But the, the Kobayashi Maru itself actually looks like it does in Star Trek 09. Um, so we're straddling the two different timelines, which is always nice. And yeah, and then they generate the crew and we get Ahura, we get Beverly, we get Odo and we get Spock initially. We get another one later on. And as you said, the Odo and... Spock, the actors, sadly, are no longer with us. Nichelle Nichols is very much retired, so she hasn't recorded any dialogue for it. But amazingly, we do get the dialogue taken from the episodes. And yeah, like, the best line in it was actually ad-libbed. Oh, yeah, go on. I Beverly, when she goes, um, your levels of stup stupidity should be in a medical journal. Oh, she ad-libbed that and they kept it in. <laughs> oh, fantastic. There you go. Maybe, hey, maybe Gates McFadden's feeling the acting so, bug again. I don't, maybe Picard. I, I don't recall, but 
Should she get a writing credit in this episode for that? Ooh, I don't know how the Writers Guild of America rules work, <laughs> actually. Um, I, I would guess that ad-libs are not included. Um, I don't think, yeah, but... Because it would be a nice touch at the end. It would, yeah. Sometimes additional, additional lines by yeah, Gabe some, Sometimes they do that, don't they? Additional dialogue by. So yeah. I don't know. I can't swear to this, but I think if it's not in the shooting script, which it wouldn't be if it was a, no. an ad lib. Yeah, it was ad libbed. Then you're not officially credited. But yeah, very good. So as I say, maybe she's getting the acting bug. Maybe she'll turn up in Picard. <laughs> Who knows? Well, I'm starting to think this because, like, we didn't do Star Trek news, but there's an article where Robert, Dun- Duncan- Robert Duncan O'Neill is, is interviewed and he's dodging questions about um, sort of... He, he's supposedly being approached to be, reprise his mm. role in Picard. Um, we know Riker appeared in Picard, Picard after he'd been in Lower Decks. And yeah. And it's she- almost like the, the, sh- the coming look to these animated shows... And do a bit of a voiceover while they're actually acting in one of yeah, the range other shows. Or they get a feel for the character again and think, yeah. oh, I've missed this. Yeah, I don't know. And special shout out, though, with the choice of these characters. The fact that we get a DS9 character because yeah. DS9 doesn't seem to get as much love in terms of the callbacks and things like, like that. They haven't put a Voyager in character in but we have Janeway anyway yeah that, that's yeah that makes sense but it's it's nice to get yeah. a bit of acknowledgement D- of DS9 next gen DS9 no one from Enterprise no yeah that would have been quite nice I suppose if they could have dropped an Enterprise crew but if you say originally they were meant to be nine maybe that was yeah like was the um, plan at Worf, some point Worf was uh, meant to be in it as well oh that would have been it was cool. one of the main ones and I'm quite sure he'd have probably come back and done his character. I'm sure he would have done. Because he does that. He's been so many as uh, Michael Dorn. Yeah, he'd have probably been like, look, I'll do it if you make the Captain Wharf series that I've been been badgering you about for quite a while. Um, I like Dal's approach to the Kobayashi Maru. Like, his first one is, right, well, does anybody know the ship? No? Okay, we'll just leave it. (laughs) <laughs> and it's probably not a bad idea. I mean, it's not going to get you failed any worse. I don't, actually, it would do. It's, it's a test of character, isn't it? So if you don't put yourself in the no-win situation, yeah. then you can't really be judged on it. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just it's just great. We've talked about it. It's, it's fantastic. Um, that- another Easter egg that you might not have noticed, just before you get Scotty. Yeah. When um, oh, what's his name? Jankum. Jankum Pog gets uh, kicked off the off by Dal. Mm. He gets kicked off when he's done when he's failed forty two times. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I try. I kept track of some of the numbers. Like it, it says forty nine yeah, times. Well, that one six. always. As soon as I ever hear that one, that always because I'm a big yeah. um, hitchhikers fan of that yeah. trilogy. Well, uh, not even a trilogy, uh, is it? It's a trilogy in five parts at the latest yeah. point, isn't it? <laughs> and so, yeah, 49 times, 61 times, 74, 99. 
Um, I like the one where they just hide behind the security rail. That's a pretty <laughs> <Yes>. good, <laughs> pretty good approach to it. Um, and then yeah, we get Scotty, which again is brilliant, and we get movie yeah. Scotty, so we get the movie uniforms as well. Um, yeah. So effectively, that's another era that we're referencing. So it is. The, it's, it's a great, great reference. Yeah, the movies uh, in the like show. Must, so. Mustache, jelly man, yeah. ears, um, big, big red. Yeah. <laughs> what did he call the Hoover? I can't remember. Um, but yeah, it's just great. And the other plots we've got going on, the, there's this thing, Murph's eating a grenade, basically. <laughs> But but well, he's, he's okay. just eating everything, isn't he? Yeah, but it turns out to be okay. Um, I do like the bit where Rock comes in, like you know, is it is it okay if you eat a grenade? Like no, a plasma no. grenade. And then Rock's like, oh, and walks off. So yeah, it's quite good. But everything's overshadowed by that holodeck scene in this episode. We do get a bit like, more and- of Gwyn though, and it, we get this flashback, and we see that. Gwyn was basically grown in a, a test tube, effectively. Yeah. And the diviner wanted her to to pass on. I mean, I thought when he was saying my progeny, it was just his fancy way of saying my child, but it, it makes a little bit more sense now that we know that... Yeah, it's she, actually... <coughs> she's grown from his genetic material, yeah, naturally. Yeah, exactly. So that, that gives us a little bit more there, and... We get a bit more depth to Janeway as well. Like we, we speculated a lot in the early days about what exactly her deal is, how she works and everything. And here we find out she doesn't know why the Diviner wants the ship and she doesn't know what the proto-drive is really. And yeah, all like, of this is being blocked from her. She doesn't know how the ship was lost. Yeah, she can't access part of her memory. And th- this kind of makes sense, though, because if you remember the very early Voyager episodes, it was like the Doctor was wiped every time. Like, he, he, you know, it, the idea of an emergency program is that yeah, they, they come on. Please state the nature of medical emergency. Yeah, they come on, they do the job, they go away again. Yeah. So it, 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 it doesn't make sense to keep let them keep the memories because unless they're sentient why would you so it's not a huge shock that Janeway doesn't know what happened previously but we get the sense that there's a bit more to this program of Janeway than just just a helping hand like there's something more to her (coughs) but she's been blocked from some of it and this is where Gwyn gets to come in and use her language skills and she cracks it. And that's yeah, where... It, it, it's co- it's coded and Gwyn goes, this is in my language. <laughs> yeah, which raises some interesting, prob- interesting questions as to who's encrypted it with that language, at what point have they done that and why? Yeah, well, it's almost as if the divide... We don't know. I'm, I'm guessing that. The Diviner's taken the Prodigy or captured it somehow, mm. but something's gone wrong partway through the capture is, yeah. why he, is why he's lost it. Uh, yeah, maybe he had it somewhere else and then it blasted off 
and that's why it's in the middle of all the rock and everything. Yeah. It's come out of what I'm calling proto warp and I'll I'll trademark that. Um it's come out of warp in the middle of the planet or something, and that's why he's looking for it. So he knows it's in that planet, but he doesn't know why. I don't know. Maybe he helped the Federation develop it. No, I no, I don't think he's helped develop it. I think I think that he's wanting to steal it. Mm-hmm. And I think that he's maybe managed to do something, which is what we see with the logs where Janeway comes up. Yeah. At the end and all that, that something's happened. Because how else has the memory card got his language? Yeah. That's... It's sort of like the encryption to well, it. Well, that's what I'm wondering if maybe he had a hand in the developing. We, we don't know that he's a Delta Quadrant species. He could be. Yeah, he could yeah, be from the Alpha Yeah, but it isn't sort of how the memory card works. It's like, it's like Janeway said, I don't know how the protostar works. I don't know what happened to the ship. I don't mm. know how I got here. It's like specific things have been cut off and there's a code blocking that part of the memory. Yeah. It isn't like it's his language that is making up the memory. Yeah, the operating system's it, not his yeah, language. Yeah, it's his language yeah. that's the code that's been put into coding. Mm. Yeah, there's definitely something more going on here and the the timeline is a little bit weird because it's... If he was looking for the protostar 17 years ago, how does that work? Because the Chakotay can't have lost it 17, you know. Yeah, unless time travel is going to play a part. But well, I like the Vols always said that it's it's set. Is it just? 17 years after Voyager, so that puts it just before Picard. Mm. But is it 17 years after Voyager that the protostar is launched? Yeah, all right. And then there's an unknown amount of time that's passed since then. Maybe, yeah. I I don't know. uh, Or if it's 17 years... Before and he's looking for the the protostar. That'd mean Chakotay immediately gets promoted and then loses a ship straight away. Which yeah. I'm up for that. I'm always up for giving Chakotay a kick in. It's so like, if this is the fastest ship they've got, mm-hmm. and they're going back to the Delta Quadrant, it is possible that they have used Voyager crew for that and promoted. Yeah, for I suppose because they know the quadrant because they've yeah. been through the Delta Quadrant. They're the crew that actually know that region of space. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. And Janeway's maybe not wanted to go back, and that's why they've put the hologram there. I don't blame her. Like, you would be a bit annoyed if they'd gone, right, have we got a good assignment for you? (laughs) Yeah. Straight You know where you've just spent seven years getting home from? Yeah. (laughs) Guess where you're going? You're going straight back there, Chicote. I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, I mean... What's great about it is this is, to all intents and purposes, a kids' show, but it's got us thinking and it's got us speculating well, and it's got us... I think it's very clever that, as a kids' show, it works. Yeah. That you don't need to understand all this backstory. No, that's true. Backstory. You don't even need to know the backstory of who the 
legacy characters are. No, you don't. But what's great about that is that if but, there's kids watching this, they might go, oh, who's that? <coughs> and, yeah, oh. but it's not just... That is what I was going to say. I was going to say the great part is it also works for us. Oh, yeah. Definitely. As adults and, and seasoned trekkies that we love this sort of stuff. Yeah. No, it's definitely... And, and it's very clever to write a show for kids that will appeal to the adults as well. Yeah, definitely. And no, what what I was getting at is it would be great if there's kids watching this and they go, oh, who's that guy? And that gets them into watching a bit yeah. of DS9 or a bit of the movies. But, but this makes it great. Like, I've not got kids. You haven't. No. Nope. This is great for any Trekkies, bringing the kids into Oh, it. yeah. To watch it, and then they are going to go, who's that? And yeah, uh, well, right, if you want to know who that is, I've got 178 episodes <laughs> that you can watch now. No, great episode, a lot to live up to now, and we can't expect that every week, but it's just an absolute yeah. treat for fans, that episode. Well, we've still got how he got out of the Kobayashi we haven't covered. Oh, sorry, yeah. Well, he kind of but... didn't, I mean... It... He had a good Well, he go. didn't, but his final solution, come on, that's pretty... He didn't... He got as close... He, if he hadn't put his feet up, he beat the Kobayashi Maru. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so, yeah. He does. The only other person to ever beat the Kobayashi Maru is Kirk, and he cheated. That's true. <laughs> I still maintain that in the books, Captain Calhoun kind of beat it, but... Um... But yeah, but but Dal beat it to all it all intents and purposes. Dal beats the Kobayashi here. It is his solution is brilliant. ACDC. Yeah, that I mean that's got to be a call out to Star Trek Beyond playing the music yeah. and everything. Well, it is, but yeah, no, it's really good, and the the beam over to the Klingon ship and everything, and you get that lovely scene where Spock. Passes on some advice to him. Uh, yeah, it's just so well done. It's brilliant. Um, so, yeah, are we putting Dal in the Kobayashi Maru ranking table then? Are we putting Dal at number two then after Kirk? I think you have to. Yeah? I Like, when he boarded the Klingon ship, if he hadn't gone, I'm going to pilot him back and put his feet up and accidentally press the launch torpedo button, <laughs> he had beaten the Kobayashi Maru. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, we'll put Dal at number two, Kirk at number one, and then the only <laughs> other one we've seen, Savick, so Savick's got to go at number three. Yeah. Um, but the, there's quite a drop between Dal and Savick because Savick didn't do that great a job. Yeah. So if anyone else has a crack at the Kobe Ashimaru, we'll, we'll put them at... That's our official ranking of it now. Yeah, um, Kirk, we, we, Dal. We won't include Captain Calhoun, so we won't include non-canon sources. Oh, uh, because. Canon. I think you've got to give it to Dal that apart from, he could have like he's redone it so many times he could have gone back and redone it again exactly the same as what he'd just done and not put his feet up on that button he could have done it if he'd have had and a bit of one if he'd have had a bit more of the Boimler attitude he could have kept on going and yeah in fact they'd probably get on quite well Dal and Boimler <laughs> yeah um, but there you go. This is the thing. We could have a crossover. We could have Lower Decks animated in the Prodigy style and Prodigy animated in the Lower Decks style. That could be good fun. <laughs> um, so, Dominion War then. So, while we're covering the shorter episodes, 
uh, we're going to delve back into the Dominion War a little bit. So we're up to the end of season right. three now of DS9, The Adversary. And this one to me, I always felt this was a bit anticlimactic after we had that two-parter in Probable Cause yeah. and the Dyer's cast. Yeah, I, this would have probably been better put as episode 24 and the two-parter put at the end. Yeah, and the, also with how big an episode the season two finale, the Jem Hadar was, I think it set us up to expect something really, really big. And I'm not saying it's a good episode. It just doesn't have that sort of wow factor that... No. You expect from a finale. And I think part of the reason for this is I think they spent all the season finale budget doing a bit of future planning and building all the sets for the Defiant because up until this point, we've had the bridge and we've had the crew quarters and that's been it on the Defiant. And then all of a sudden, this episode, we get main engineering, we get all the Jeffries tubes, we get the mess hall... Um, so I kind of feel like they've gone, we've got a little bit of extra money in the pot for the season finale. We want to do a lot more on the Defiant in the upcoming seasons. I, I also <laughs> wonder, because we know what's coming up at the start of season four, if they carried some budget over. Possibly so. I mean, that one got, got a huge budget injection anyways. They treated it like a, like a pilot, mean. basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe a bit of that, maybe a bit of not quite knowing what was coming next season. So they didn't want to open up too much, like leave it on a direct cliffhanger. So I know there was a bit sort of backstage on DS9 at this point. The, the producers were kind of pushing forward. We need you to revamp it a bit. We want you to bring the Klingons in. We want you to bring Worf in and all that was going on. Whereas the DS9 writers were like, well, we've got this Dominion War story we want to tell. And so I think there was a bit of push and shove going on there. And maybe they didn't want to, if they'd like, left it on a massive cliffhanger and then the the studio said, you've got to do this, this and this. Like, yeah. To be fair, bringing the Klingons in works really well. Oh, it in works. The War. And, it make, and it makes a lot more sense. It sort of opens it up more that. It is the Alpha Quadrant and the Beta yeah, Quadrant it, that are fighting in Dominion. It's everyone. Yeah, I mean, it's no secret that that wasn't the writer's first choice to do that. But when they were given the edicts to do it, they didn't half make it work. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's for that's for next time anyway. Uh, but this one, we do get some some big things like Cisco gets promoted to captain, so we finally got Captain Cisco. And about time. And about time, absolutely. We've also got Cisco's got a beard, but he's got a real beard in this episode because uh, not by the end of it, if you notice, it's it's sound yeah, Cisco beard. It's we've <laughs> yeah we've introduced Cisco's beard in the, the previous couple of episodes, but it was a very suspicious stick-on beard that they were obviously using while Avery Brooks grew out the actual beard. But thankfully at this point, it's a real beard. He's allowed to have a real beard. 
and he's just one step away from shaving the head and finally just <laughs> being himself, and which is what he's wanted all well, this time. Well, that's it. It's like it is. It's a really funny thing because how Avery Brooks looks and the other stuff he'd been in, and then when it's DS9 started, it's like you sure that's Avery Brooks? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like. <laughs> Yeah, You've it, got this actor that we all know and love. And, you know... Like, he doesn't look like him. <laughs> and let's be honest, you know, Avery Brooks looks like a badass that you're not going to mess with. And... Although, when you... It, retrospectively, it's quite nice that he doesn't look the badass straight away because he's trying to make peace with Beige. That's or, true. He's a, a softer-edged character, but... Yeah. Now, now that he's getting into the war, he's yeah, he's, yeah, he's becoming right. It's time to wave <laughs> up now. Yeah, it's needed. <laughs> kind of like um, apologies to anyone who doesn't follow wrestling, but um, there there was a time when Triple H was feuding with Mankind, and he kept beating Mankind. And then Mankind said, oh, I can't beat you, but Cactus Jack can. And it was the same fella, just different clothes. Yeah. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, shit, not Cactus Jack. <laughs> so we've kept you know, even exactly the same bloke you've just beaten every week for the last six weeks. No, but he's called something different. He's wearing crocodile skin boots now. So, ooh. So yeah, it's kind of like that. It's like you know, Cisco when he when he goes bald. But anyway, yeah. it's still pretty cool in this episode. Uh, we get this um, new species mentioned, the Zen Cafe, which I think in the books and stuff they've decided are a big lizard people, but we never actually see them. Have we never seen the Zen Cafe? I don't think we've ever actually seen them, I and mean, we certainly don't in this episode. Right, I didn't <laughs> realize we'd never seen them. Yeah, I mean, we may have done since. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know, maybe they crop up in an Enterprise episode or something, but certainly not to this point. It was just like, so I remember watching it at the time, thinking, Ooh. and I know that's kind of the point of the episode, but it just seemed a little yeah. bit weird that all of a sudden we've got this new species and the Federation's had a war with them in the past, but we've never heard of them before and we don't really again. Um. Cisco in his um, log entry says, "Like, oh, I hope that my time as captain will prove to be challenging. Uh, yes, it will. <laughs> yes, it will. <laughs> Very much so. You haven't seen anything yet, mate. And there's some good stuff with Eddington in this episode as well, like a bit of foreshadowing, really. Like you get this, the early bit when they're doing the ceremony. And he says, um, oh, as someone who is obsessed with rank and title. <coughs> and that, <clears throat> then you get a follow-up to it later on where he says, you know, oh, you don't join Starfleet to put on a gold shirt. Everyone wants to be a captain. And in retrospect, it's like, are these hints that Eddington's not really happy with... He's, yeah, he's I, I picked that up whenever he watched this. Yeah, it's he's almost telling Cisco like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not happy where I am, and it, yeah, it's almost it's giving... interesting. It's interesting. You don't put the gold uniform on if you want to be a captain. Try telling Kirk that. Yes, yeah, very <laughs> true. 
and or Worf. I mean, I know Worf's not officially well, canonically Worf, a captain Worf yet, had but to, it will um, be. Worf transferred out, didn't he? He did, yeah. So, but yes, yeah, very good point. But Data made cap, Data made um, temporary captain. Um, yeah. So yeah, in, I think uh, TNG. Yeah, I think you've been a bit negative there, Eddington. Yeah. If you want to be a captain, you can try and be captain, but we know that's not what you really want. We know that you're a scummy traitor and we're going to find out next season. So it's almost like he's almost giving Cisco a bit of a heads up here, like you need to watch me. I'm not happy. Yeah. yeah. And that's obviously their relationship's going to develop a lot in the later episodes. I don't think. We're certainly not going to cover the main Eddington episodes. We might see him again a couple of times, but um, we're, we're not going to cover it in this Dominion thing. We'll, we'll have to do like an Eddington mini arc at some point and just cover the the Cisco Eddington episodes. Yeah, because they're, they're yeah definitely it's worth not like the, There's a couple of episodes. This is one of them. There's a couple of episodes that lead up to it. Yeah. And then there's the sort of Cisco hunting editor. Yeah, it's, it's almost like a trilogy of episodes that deal with Eddington. But yeah, we'll come to that at some point. Um, there's a lovely scene with like Cisco and Dax where they're gossiping about Cassidy. And I love the dynamic between Cisco and Dax because... You've still got this holdover from Curzon where it, it's like one of his mates, you know, one of his Yeah, blood, a couple of lads that are having a chat, but Dax has also got the female perspective on it. And it's it's really, really cool how that manifests itself. Like if this was another bloke talking to Cisco, they'd probably be taking piss a little bit more and ribbing him a little bit more about it. Which I'm not saying is a good quality of men, but it is a quality that a lot of men have. <laughs> it's something that we do. Yeah. Whereas Dax can do a bit of that, but then also switch to, oh, I'm so happy for you that you've got this new yeah. partner. And yeah, so it's brilliant. What, you've seen her three times? That's serious. Yeah. And and Americans are very much into that as well, aren't they? That the third day. Oh, the third see? day, it's meant to be the one. So maybe, I don't know, maybe. Is there some link between the third date and Cisco getting his beard? I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's how he celebrated. Um, <laughs> or maybe he, he got the beard to go on the third date. So we need a bit of a bit of suave, a bit of you know, I don't know. But that's up to them. And you know, as long as everyone's taken their injection and everything, then yeah. And don't for, forget the injections yeah. that cost the busy. Cisco, keep that in mind, <laughs> even if there is a war on. Let that be a warning. Yeah. And then, yeah, we've got, we see the dodgy box at the start. So there's a dodgy box in the foreground while O'Brien's working. But then the next bit is you've got Bashir in the Jeffrey's tube. And it's one of them where you wouldn't necessarily pick up on it the first time, but re-watching it, I love that there's a moment where O'Brien says to Bashir, what were you doing up here? And he says, uh, oh, why didn't you call out? And he says, I had this spanner in my mouth. And knowing that he's a changeling, you've got to imagine that the changeling just made that spanner when he said that. Yeah. 
And, right, I've got to have an excuse for being here. Blah, blah, blah. And it, oh, with this spanner. And I just think that's brilliant because you can infer that when you watch it again. But you wouldn't necessarily the first time round. Um, so it's a very sort of enclosed, paranoid episode, this. And there's no question that this is heavily influenced by Alien and by The Thing. Yeah. And, you know, we, <laughs> nobody's trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes there, but... No, but, like, let's be honest, sci-fi does this all the time, doesn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. great sci-fi stories, and it gets mimicked and copied. Yeah, of course. And... If you, you're going to do a paranoid story where you don't know who's the baddie, it, you've got to call back to you the can... thing. Because... Yeah. It, it's not been done better than that, so you might as well give it a go and see what you what spin you can put on it. But all the all the crawling around the Jeffries tubes is very alien as well, and it works really well as a mishmash. And yeah, it, we get there by we can't contact the planet, so we have to assume that we're we're at war with the Zen Cafe. Maybe jump into conclusions a little bit there. I won't go in well, all guns they've got what the admiral, the admiral has given him a briefing about yeah. it as well, hasn't he? So he's got a briefing. Like, I've got a lot of problems with this. Yeah. That basically Cisco is set off on this mission to send Cafe Prime or whatever it is. That there's been an uprising and we've got to go sort it out. Yeah. On one person's word. Yeah. That's it. Um, he's an ambassador, so he's not even staff. Yeah, he's not had direct orders from Starfleet Command yeah. to do this. Yeah, you'd think it'd be like, well, I'll, I'll just give the Admiral yeah, a bell. There's, and got, see there's if... got to be a chain of command. Yeah, like, oh no, no, no. It, so... it sort of breaks down the chain of command, does this, that? Yeah, you've got to imagine the ambassador's like, no, no, Cisco, don't, you don't need to ring the Admiral. Don't worry about it. Honestly, no, yeah. he told me to tell you. Look, yeah. I've, look, look, look. I've got a letter and it's got his royal seal on it. He's done it in wax. <laughs> so, definitely. It is so, isn't it? it yeah. It, it's, it's something that strikes me about this episode. It, it takes a bit of a leap to imagine yeah, that they, they just like, all jump on. Either that or the... The faked communications yeah, as well that we don't see on screen. There's a much bigger, more elaborate thing going on. But, but yeah, you'd also imagine, like, surely Cisco's got to file a flight plan with Starfleet Command to say, yeah. I'm, taking all, I'm taking all the senior officers with me to the Zen Cafe homeworld. Is that all right? You know? Yeah. It, yeah. We just have to go stop this war. Yeah. Is what war, Cisco? Oh, you know, the one the ambassador told me about. I, yeah. <laughs> but you've just got to roll with it, haven't you? It's, it's yeah, the setup I know, for I know the that episode. We, we, we roll with this in not just Star Trek, but we do it in, a oh, lot yeah. of, in numerous shows. Because if Cisco does call an admiral to check, we don't get the episode, so no. never mind. <laughs> or it's a very short episode, just like... First novice <laughs> captain rooted out a changeling infiltrator in two minutes by making a phone call. Boom. <laughs> and, yeah, they find they find the weird shape shifty wires. You'd think at this point someone would say, oh, hang on, who who are we having problems with at the moment? The Dominion. Who's the leaders of the Dominion? Shapeshifters. 
could it be that? But no, we, we have to wait for the reveal that it's a changeling. Um, I like that... I like that, like, O'Brien sort of dobs Bashir in, like, you know, is, well, I saw you in the, in the conduit, you know, so... And... Dax is like, oh wait a minute, no no no, let's scan everyone instead. You know, we'll we'll see who's got Tetrion particles and that's the way of doing it. So this is this is like the first riff on the thing, really, where we've got them going up and scanning everybody one by one to see who it actually is. And the length of time it takes to scan someone is directly proportionate to the amount of drama that we have to wring out of it. <laughs> So some people it's just bloop, nope, you're fine. And then some people it's like bloop, oh, we thought you might not be, but you were. <laughs> and then for the ambassador, it takes even longer because we've got to have we've got to have O'Brien and Bashir having dialogue in the background saying, Oh, but no, I wasn't in the conduit. And so the scan's gotta take long enough for that to drop before we can have the reveal that it is actually a changeling <laughs> and he's managed to take over the ship and arm the weapons and put the cloak on and he's trying to start a war and they've got to work out a way to actually find him on the ship and we get a lot of foreshadowing at this point Odo says no no changeling has ever harmed another and oh by the way I've never fired a weapon or killed anybody okay <laughs> Right, just so we know those... Um, just so we know you've never <laughs> done that and no changeling's ever done that. Right, good, we've got that. Well, I'll tell you what, Odo, you won't fire a weapon this episode, but the other two, I won't be so sure. <laughs> and, yeah, it's, you know, you've got to drop it in. We've had that. That's the third time now we've heard no changeling's ever harmed another. So, I think... Even if you're only a casual observer at this point, you're thinking, yeah, that's going to change. Um, Cisco's, as all Starfleet captains are, just cannot wait to activate the self-destruct. Yeah, first opportunity. Yeah, we'll blow it up. Like, wait a minute, Cisco. Aren't you locked out of all the systems? You can't even turn the cloaking device off, never mind... Yeah, but self-destruct is captain only. Yeah, that's um, activated. You're right, that overwrites everything. And it's crap security codes again. Like, you know, <laughs> in Star Trek the movie, uh, what's your what what you know, uh, Star Trek three rather, like what's the security code? Oh, it's code one one A. And now it's Well that's um, that's from the TOS episode. Uh, yeah, uh, let that be your last so battle. They've actually gone back to the t- So that was actually in Star Trek Three. That was a really nice Easter It was, yeah. That the, <laughs> that but the I still think if you're making security codes to blow up the... Look, look, I can't set up a security code to do my online shopping without it saying it needs a special character, it needs an up, it needs uppercase, it needs lowercase, it needs at least one number. But, and it has to be 15 characters long. Yeah, but Kira can go, what do you want the password for blowing up the ship to be? Oh, beta 2 beta? Yeah, that's one fine. Of mine, one of mine at work has to have upper and lowercase, numbers a special character, be over 10 characters long, and have to change it every three months. Yeah. 
And so, but Kira can have beta two beta. I mean, that'd get an error code straight away. It'd be like, you can't, because it's code beta, so you can't call it the same as the thing that you're doing. Yeah. Anyway, dead easy to set the auto-destruct, even when a changeling's taken over your ship, which is yeah. fine. There's some... There's some really good tense scenes where they're like, right, we're, we're gonna we're gonna team up in pairs, and who should we put together? Put Odo and Eddington together. What you mean the two security specialists? Put them in one team. Yeah, you're not gonna put <laughs> split them up and sort of have two security. Yeah, specialist maybe. Teams. Maybe. Do you not think one of them should maybe be with Cisco? Because he's the captain, maybe one of them in engineering so that O'Brien don't get killed because yeah. we need O'Brien. No, no, we'll put them in one team together, so that's fine. And Cisco, um, Cisco, his mate gets got, so we know Cisco's mate's gone. And he bumps into Kira and the Bolian, and there's this really good paranoid scene where it is like... <laughs> The bullion suspects everyone. <laughs> yeah. And they're all crawling about like that bit in Alien where Dallas is crawling through the things. And I always wonder, you know, the bit where they've got the guns and they go, we're going to sweep the whole thing. And they just yeah. fire it down the Jeffries tubes. Like, shouldn't you be firing it at the bulkheads to make sure it's not a bulkhead? Cause yeah, that's what I thought. It's, it's not going to be the air in the middle. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be... I, I wondered if it's because of the thing it's at that it's sort of spread out. Yeah, a bit it's spread like out. That. So, so you've got it hit it actually going down the centre, but it's hitting all the edges. Yeah, I, I think I, that's. I, I'm thinking it's what it's doing. That's the implication, I think. But it just it just always struck me as looking a little bit weird. Like, you, yeah, you're not going to hit anything. Um, but it's sort of like <laughs> you have them going along walls like that. Well, that's what you'd have you to have do. You have them shoot down the corridor and shoot down the corridor. Looks more oh, it aggressive. looks a lot cooler, yeah, and it <laughs> it raises the tension a lot more than, like you say, it'd be a bit boring if the and it raises the temperature, so we know it's not Eddington. Yeah, ah, good point. Yes, he's sweating. Um, yeah, but no, as Odo the... points out, my species doesn't sweat. Yeah, but they decide right blood. That's it. Why don't they just spit on floor? That'd have worked yeah. rather than being dramatic and cutting yourself. <laughs> Everyone spit. Come on. Yeah, everyone. Come on, flawed. Yeah. Come on, deck now. <laughs> and that'd have worked, but there you go. Yeah. Uh, but then we get the thing part two with the blood tests, and this is even more the thing. This is like the bit with the Petri dish, and um, <coughs> and this is probably your answer, actually, because if everyone had just spat on floor the Bashir changeling wouldn't have been able to do his little switcheroo thing that he does oh. and get away with it. So there you go. We've solved it. You you didn't need all this blood stuff. Um, but yeah, again, that's really good. And the hypospray thing that he's using, he's working on the same rules as the tricorder that it, it takes as long as is dramatically necessary to draw blood. do a blood yeah. test. And, Bashir ekes it out as well, where he's taking it out of the thing and he and he's taking it out of that. He's like, you could have just gone like that. No, no, no. You've got to do it really, really dramatically. And some of them I'll check them as well to make it look even worse. And but I mean, you could say that from the changeling's point of view, he's doing that. It's like a magic trick. Like 
Well, it is because he's doing a bit of palming, isn't he? With yeah, the, and it, the it, actual veil that he should use. On that's the, the thing. So, like, if you gonna, he's got to palm that and then create one. If you're gonna do the trick on the third time that you you do the motion, you've got to really clearly establish what the motion is the first two times that you do it, so that the audience don't notice yeah. when you're actually doing the trick. Um, which is what yeah. he does. And he's yeah. like a bit of our uh, Paul Daniels, hasn't he? Oh, Paul not Daniels. No. Not <laughs> yeah, not a lot. <laughs> there you go. Anyone who doesn't know who Paul Daniels is, Google Paul <laughs> Daniels. You'll have hours and hours of fun. Sorry, that was just a little Easter egg I threw in yeah. there. <laughs> For Paul. Yeah, very good. Do you remember when that used to be on Saturday nights, the Paul Daniels magic show? That was great. Do. Loved it. I remember when Mrs. Merton uh, interviewed Debbie. Oh, McGee yeah. And, and what attracted you to millionaire Paul Daniels <laughs> in this place? To be fair, in Debbie McGee's defence, they do seem, or they did seem, really happy together. So. <laughs> they were. So and they've not... worked together a lot of years. It yes. was fine. So I'm not having it any of that. It was just how Mrs. Merton Yeah, Mrs. Merton were great. Um, so it looks like Eddington's the changeling, but as you rightly said, it can't be him because he was sweating earlier on. Yeah, Odo's already established that for us. So there you go, Odo. You should have picked up on that. You were there when he was sweating. Um, but it's actually Bashir. And well, to be fair, when you watch this, you start. Odo looks suspicious about this. Yeah, he does, and rightly so. And it's not and the last... Like, why did you let it carry on? Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe he wanted to, yeah, root him out. I don't know. But it's not the last time changelings will decide that Bashir's a good person to to imitate. So we'll keep an eye out for that in future episodes. Yeah, this episodes. is a bit of foreboding as well, isn't it? Yeah. Um... And then, yeah, it all leads to the classic. We've got two of the same character... And which one's the real one? But O'Brien don't want to play Choose the Changeling, so he's not not in the mood for it at all. And what I really like about this is the way René Aubergine performs it. The real Odo is the one that's talking less. Like, he's just focused on the other one, really closely watching what it's doing. Yeah. And ready to react to it. Whereas the one that isn't Odo is speaking a lot more as if he's trying to convince people. You know, yeah. it's, it's a and, really and subtle... And the reality is that Odo doesn't talk a lot. So no, exactly. So big clue straight away. So that's it. It's a really subtle way in his performance of showing which one is the real one and which one isn't. Yeah. And they have a bit of a fight and... The limits of late 90s TV CGI, unfortunately, I think, do rear the head a little bit in this bit. Like, the Odo's hands don't look good at all, and you don't... They don't, but at the time, they did. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. And what you've got to remember is this is only a few years removed from Terminator 2, which was the first 
time we really got that morphing technology. Yeah, and, and that was done on a massive oh, budget. Yeah, it was a <laughs> ludicrous budget for Terminator 2 at the time. I think one of the most expensive film ever at the time. And, at the time, I think it was. I and, think James Cameron's done that a few times. Yeah, yeah, he gets a bit carried away with himself, <laughs> doesn't he? Um, well, like, let's be fair on that. His movies do gross the money they, to they do, yeah. sort of justify it afterwards. They absolutely so do. And I think that's why studios go, he goes, I need a billion for this one. And they go, ooh, I don't know, James. And he goes... Well, look at how much money I made when you give me half a billion. Yeah. And they go, oh, go on then, James. Look at, I, I've had the highest grossing film of all time three times with Terminator 2 and Titanic and Avatar. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a fairly safe bet. And you know what? It's trendy to knock James Cameron, but he knows how to make a film. You know, they, they are really, his films are great, generally. I think, I think people knock him because it's taken so long for the sequel for Avatar. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've forgotten. I, I, no, I was going to say I've forgotten what happens in Avatar, but I have watched Dances with Wolves recently, so that's pretty much it. But we blew Aliens, so I'm... Oh, I'm, I haven't brought myself to watch Dan, we've Dan, Dances with Wolves for a long time. Oh, it's great, it's Dances with Wolves. It, it's but, a great movie, but... But you need a good day. You, you, <laughs> need to, you need to set your stall out to watch it. You definitely do, yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. You, we've only got so many long films to watch. So if it comes down to Lord of the Rings or Dances with Wolves, you've probably got to go Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so Odo's slightly dodgy CGI hands, and that you don't really get a sense of the weight of the characters while they're fighting. Like it all feels a little bit, a little bit hollow. Like you don't really get a sense well, of he's really I, having a. No, well, I looked at it a different way. That there wasn't weight involved, it was more sort of trying to flow into each other. Yeah, true. And who could take over the other one? So I got like when you have like the Admiral Changeling. Yeah. Is it Odo and he's got into him? It's nothing to do with weight and pushing against him. It's trying to force him to flow into him and take him mm, over. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There's just something about it that just doesn't quite work for me, but I mean, it's still good, and yeah, like I don't, I don't think you can look at it like a normal fight of two. No, maybe not. Maybe that against each other. I think it was. I think it's got that. So it's very different that you're trying to make yourself that person. Yeah, it's yeah. We can't really wrap our heads around, it, I suppose. But yeah, I do like the way he takes out the changeling that you have the the part of the warp core exposed, and he. Yeah. Pushes him onto it and everything. And yeah, it was like, well, O'Brien had already said that. He said, I can drop the shield, but I have to drop every shield. Yeah. <laughs> and that leads to, see, this is a really good effect where the changeling sort of flakes away and it turns into like dust and everything. I thought that was that's a brilliant that's excellent. Effect. And that stands up today. Yeah, I think that's absolutely brilliant. And, you know, Odo, there you go. You you can tick two off your bucket list. Oh, bucket list, Odo. Didn't even mean to do that. <laughs> um, tick two off. You've now killed someone, and you've a changeling now has hammed another one. killed another changeling. So, 
there you go. And yeah, he whispers something and we get the the final thing. They have the briefing at the end. It's like, oh yeah, it turns out the Admiral, it were bullshit. And um, we yeah, all we bought it. We checked with Starfleet and they said to know nothing about uh, yeah. them having a, a war or anything. What, you mean if you'd done like, your chain of command thing? Yeah. <laughs> Do you reckon like in the bits of that briefing before we've seen it, Cisco's like, right, lads, this is the story and we're all, tiki- we're all sticking to it. He had... <laughs> He, he brought his iPhone and he had a video from from Starfleet Command and it were recorded what? and they held up today's newspaper and it, so we, we thought we had orders. Everybody got that? I, I like to think that... Be, like, there's a thing here at the end and it's when Odo does his reveal and that's sort of like the cliffhanger of the, yeah. of the series, isn't it? That the, the changeling had whispered to him, that you're too late, we're everywhere. Yeah. But you've got to... It introduces a couple of problems. It's... Why did Odo wait so long to say anything about that? Yes, he says, oh, he hadn't spoke for, like, three days or something. Yeah. So was Odo sort of playing in his head, well, should I tell them or should I? Yeah, I know. Should I side with the changelings or should I side with them? And let them know that they're too late to I, stop my people. I've always read it as he just needs a bit of time to get his head together after killing well, I think one he's, of his own. I think he needs time to get his head together, but the, this is an important thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I, and, and you've got to sort of think, well, why hasn't he told them straight away? That it sort of, is he sort of weighing up between... The changeling side is going. He told Garrett. Why it takes so long. But it also opens up the possibility that they are already everywhere, that Cisco did contact someone from Starfleet or had orders to follow the Admiral's instructions because a changeling was there to get, to do it. Yeah, that could that could easily be the case because uh, as we find out next season at least one high-ranking admiral uh, has been impersonated at some point by a changeling yeah. so like, I was think, I was thinking about this through the, and all that. And like we can look at a normal ship coming through and it can only hold so many people. How many changelings could you actually get in a shuttlecraft? Because they can literally go to a liquid altogether. Oh, yeah, you could get loads and, and loads. You could get... For the capacity, the amount of them that you could get through in a small ship compared to normal people. Yeah, solids, definitely. And it's, it's huge. And, we, you know, we've had that Jem'Hadar ship came through at the end of Season 2. That could have dropped off any number of changelings. Yeah. And like, in, potentially, it could have dropped off thousands. And, in fact, if it did do that, that kind of retroactively means that the Dominion were more the aggressors than the Federation was. So yeah. that kind of gets the Federation off the hook. But, <coughs> you know, I, it, it's, I, it's a little bit iffy. I don't think you can get the Federation off the hook with the Dominion war. No, the, the federation with the the federation when they found out that someone owned the Gamma Quadrant shouldn't have started letting people set up colonies. 
No, they shouldn't. They shouldn't. They shouldn't. They could have sent the ships through for diplomatic things, make contact. Yeah, but yes, there we go. I mean... How many times do do we hear them go on about the Prime Directive and how you should make first contact? Well, um, we we've gone through the wormhole. Um, we're hearing rumours that it's run by this really aggressive <laughs> race that controls everything. Now, should we make first contact peacefully and really cleverly, diplomatically, or should we bring a few million people through? And you <laughs> see that planet there? We'll go put. We'll put our flag there. Oh, there's another yeah. one. Flag. Flag. <laughs> and and now, now they've officially told us they don't want us coming through. So we'll we'll stop coming through for a couple of months and then we'll start again. And we'll put a listening post in there. And, <laughs> yeah. and we'll do this thing that we did in season three where We'll leave the wormhole open a crack so that we can have telecommunications <laughs> through it. Yeah, a bit naughty, Federation. Anyway, that's the end of Season 3 then, which means that next up we get to look at Way of the Warrior, which... Yeah, yeah um, maybe not next week. No. no. Okay. Is this a hint at what's to come in Prodigy that we might need a full... Um, no, um... No, I'm off to talk to you afterwards because because okay. we we um people probably don't keep track of this like we do, but we're actually not far off our fiftieth uh, episode. Fiftieth live stream, yeah, that's true. Live stream episode. <laughs> so so yes, well, we'll definitely be covering Prodigy, and we will get to where the Warrior at some and point, we'll, and we'll cover something else. <laughs> right. So, yeah, let us know what you think about Prodigy, about the Dominion War, about anything to do with Star Trek, really. Yeah. You can tweet us at RetrekPod. You can email us, RetrekPod at gmail.com. You can come and join the Facebook group. You can check out the YouTube channels or on Twitch. It's just all of it. Yeah, I've had a new video out on Retrek Model Studios this week. Excellent. So... Uh, uh, just showing off my uh, aftermarket parts for the Voyager build. Oh, yes, yeah. The some Aero ideas shuttle. what I'm going to be doing. <laughs> yeah, so if you're interested at all in model building, Elliot's got fantastic stuff on there. Um, but thanks for trekking with us this time, and we will see you next time on the Retrek. Thank you. Bye-bye.